0: 4,000 Words is funded by the generosity of the patrons of Infinite Hermit Productions. If you'd like to contribute and get access to works in progress, complete stories, exclusive podcasts and parapod movie, pictures, updates and rarities, please visit patreon.com forward slash Ian Bolsworth, or visit ianbolsworth.co.uk for more details. His entire life, he thought he would run when things inevitably turned to shit. When he ran out of options and was cornered, he'd just leave. Yet, as he pressed the button to end the call, his hand already trembling, he realised that he'd never considered just where he would run to. He could have left the flat right then, started moving, seen where the wind blew him, but it was pointless. They'd catch him. What use was a moment of freedom longer if it were to be spent like this? There was true freedom ahead. He rubbed his hands together, linking his fingers to control his rebelling nervous system. But this served only to spread the shaking. He pushed his hands out and feigned a yawn, persuading himself he was taking this in his stride, that this was playing out in a manner that he'd expected. It wasn't, though. The other two were gone they promised him a foolproof plan, and now he was revealed as the fool. they called him to tell him to go too, though the net was closing in a matter of moments. He felt a jolt on his thumb, and realised he must have caught a stray drop. The shaking stopped. He turned his hand to catch the light, and marvelled at the broken skin, the angry redness around a taut puncture. He stared and impulsively pushed a finger against it. In a moment the pain shot through him again. Good. That was just one drop. He imagined the feeling magnified by a thousand and surged with vindication. How they felt right now would ensure they'd listen to him forevermore. He'd levelled the playing field. Not so fucking full of themselves now. He didn't even want to run. He was emboldened He was pleased the other two had gone. He strode across the flat to the bathroom, shouldering the door open and pulling the light cord with a snap. Facing up to himself in the mirror, he stared intently, gritting his teeth and raising his chin. Hold it exactly there like that. Do that. Not a sneer. That wouldn't play right. Give off strength. He dipped his fingers into the wax on the sink side and pushed it roughly through his hair. Resetting his jaw, he methodically analyzed himself. The guy had taken the most, but the girl had screamed louder. He suppressed a smirk and decided to slick his hair back completely. Dipping back into the wax, he thought of the other two fucking off. Good riddance to the pricks. He imagined newspaper print around the face in the mirror, hair slicked back, staring he would be the solitary focus of the page. Not with those other two cowards either side of him. Maybe the entire page. He'd seen that done before, when those tabloid hypocrites had stoked the outrage of the dumb who bought into their drivel. They'd be playing right into his hands. After the initial hysteria, the right people would listen. The same picture would be used again, away from headlines. His words and reasoning would be examined and repeated then eventually understood. The headlines declaring him scum would melt into irrelevant history, making way for the true consideration of what he'd earned. He had made a stand. He had jolted the blasé to attention. The battle lines were drawn. The have-nots were fighting back, and he would be the poster boy for the downtrodden and disadvantaged. The voice for the silent, or willingly dumb, Her screams had been the siren of liberation. His jaw had relaxed, and his reflection looked unsure. He really must clench his teeth when they take his picture. Back in the flat, he opened the fridge. There was a solitary bottle of beer left in the door. Weighing up the balance between taking some edge off these sporadic shakes or ensuring a clear head, he quickly opted for the bottle that he'd filled with water that morning that morning. It could have been a year ago. It was a different time. It was a different life. The girl had been carrying a bottle of water and he knew where it would have ended up after they'd sped away. Fat lot of good it would have done them. On the bottom shelf of the fridge lay a black flask containing remnants of a component part of the corrosive. He thought to remove it. He could maybe take it downstairs and tuck it away in a neighbour's bin but he just drank the water. He had to adjust from the instinctive urge to cover his tracks. The plan was not to deny or escape like those two. The plan was to rejoice, confront with his actions, challenge, only the guilt he looked to evade. He wasn't guilty and he'd make them see why. He glanced at the clock on his cooker and subtracted the hour he hadn't put back whenever that was a thing to do. It had been almost two years since he'd spoken to his parents. And the thought of calling them, right now, was enticing. It would wake them. Hearing his voice again would shake whoever answered with shock. Did he want to give them the heads up? Did he want to give them the scoop that their dismissive assessments of him had been wrong? That he'd already achieved something far greater than they'd ever experienced in their catatonic life-by-numbers? Or should they learn the same way everyone else would? Unable to deny the power he'd claimed, now it was they who couldn't speak to him. They wouldn't be able to turn the other cheek. Everyone would know. He'd tarred them. The press would hound them. They'd have to give answers. Strangers would speculate that their parenting had caused this. They'd be blamed. It was a bonus. He wouldn't call. The idea of them being blissfully unaware that their untroubled sleep would be the last for a long while was a delight. Good luck tomorrow, Mum. Good luck tomorrow, Dad. No longer their son. In a few short hours' time, the world would guarantee they were forever his parents. He walked away from the fridge, leaving the door open. he left the bathroom light on too. His emancipation had started to settle and he felt lighter than he'd ever felt before. There were two red bills on the ledge by the door. They'd stirred anxiety in him, every time his eyes fell on them since they arrived a week ago. Now he looked and smiled. They sat atop their untidily ripped envelopes, and he raised a middle finger at them. They meant nothing, literally not worth the paper they were printed on anymore. They would never be paid, and there was nothing the senders could ever do about it. He thought of the follow-up mail, the subtle ramping up of threat with each one, the court summons threat, the actual court summons, the court judgment, the bailiff letters, dropping one by one onto the floor, piling up. Correspondence designed to strike fear, reduced to a heap of irrelevant and impotent threats. He had no idea who would ever pick them up, but it wouldn't be him. He quickly returned to the fridge, grabbing the beer bottle and flinging it directly at the TV. The screen exploded and shards of glass rattled on the wood floor. The beer bottle span amongst it, foam propelling its spiral, seeming like it would never stop. In the flat below, a high voice expressed something urgent and indecipherable, followed by the bass hum of a deeper, confused voice. There was movement, footsteps, and the sound of a curtain being pulled on a rail. The muffled clank of a latch and the friction of a stiff window being opened. He stood still and waited. Eventually all was silent, but for the faint hiss of the beer slowly bleeding out. He'd anticipated the girl screaming when he'd played it out in his head beforehand. What he hadn't allowed for was all the other noise. The sounds that wouldn't feature in one's predictions of an out-of-the-blue attack. They'd been walking past a restaurant as the bike pulled up. The guy had turned to register the growl of the engine. If he hadn't turned to look, it wouldn't have been a clear shot. There had been a heartbeat before she started screaming. A heartbeat until she registered what had happened. The guy would have known the second it drenched and skinned his face. It was faster than before, the beauty of a direct hit. A general din was already coming from the diners in the restaurant. The droning hum of banality purring out of the open mezzanine. The moment her screaming started though, the patrons fell momentarily silent. Confused silent, not a word from them. There was uproar on the way, but in that pause, the only sound was her screaming. The rumble of the bike engine and music. He hadn't factored that there'd be music. It was some Ponzi violin thing, but it played on an indifferent soundtrack to the horrors. Of course nobody would turn off the music. Why would that be anybody's first response? As the bike took off, he thought of every disaster he'd ever heard of. Every terrorist attack, every riot, every earthquake, flood or fire. They would have all had a stubborn soundtrack. As he'd leaned forward into the talk of the speeding bike, his heart pounding in his ears, he considered that no matter how meticulously you prepare your head for these things, you'll always miss something. Three determined knocks on his door brought him back. His shoulders jolted as he looked into the hallway and then at his darkened reflection in the window pane. A waxed spike of hair had dislodged when he'd thrown the bottle. He flattened it down before setting his jaw, glancing around his flat for the last time. He walked towards the door, resisting the impulse to grab his keys. Like the bills, the fridge, the TV, the beer, the entire flat and all its contents, they were irrelevant now. The only relevant thing was about to step out of it forever. Serious crimes unit, said the woman revealed as he opened the front door. He deliberately ignored the badge she'd held up, opting to defy with unflinching eye contact. This was the true start. She was younger than he'd expected, more attractive than he'd expected. In fact, he hadn't expected a woman at all. His jawline tightened as he tensed his teeth together and stared. He'd have no hesitation in affording her the same treatment as the other woman he'd encountered this evening, but an opportunity had opened. He'd start his campaign on the ground floor and work his way up. Badge or no badge, he knew how to get what he wanted. Are you Harry? she asked. I am, he said. Another twist. He'd anticipated a sudden forced entry. Battering rams, an entourage of plain clothes and uniform, crunching through the splintered shards of door, an unprovoked struggle being wrestled to the floor, some sense of drama that he could remain noble and placid throughout. She'd spoken evenly, almost gently, as though she'd been told he was the victim. I'm going to have to cuff you, she said, again so gentle that it sounded like an apology. He nodded. was no other officer in the car, and as he watched the amber street lights strode by, he congratulated himself on recognising their tactic. Of course there hadn't been a barraging scrum of meathead police back up. They already knew how dangerous he was. A solitary female officer would dissuade any confrontation. They'd have already considered that he was above such petty melees, that there was a more honourable calling at play here. They'd have also considered he was lethal. He'd proven that. No wonder she was so temperate at the door, she'd be fucking terrified. Even her cuffing left his arms decent room for comfort. She barely spoke on the journey, but he clocked her scanning him in the rearview mirror regularly. When their eyes met, she betrayed no reaction. He consciously displayed a contented facade, and there was no challenge as her eyes returned to the road. Fair play to her. She was holding it together. As they got nearer to the station, she came back to life telling him that there was a blanket on the seat that he could mask himself with. She told him that there were already press and photographers hanging around outside and that would have attracted curious members of the public who, once they got wind of who she was bringing in, could turn nasty. She was right. It wouldn't take a huge leap to work out who he was, even for those retarded, outraged leeches. He wasn't concerned with their vitriol and he certainly wasn't afraid. Others might want to hide, but he did not. He leaned back in the seat, and looked out of the window, noting his occasional reflection. His hair had dishevelled again. It would have been when she placed a hand on his head, putting him in the car. He glanced back at her, those dead eyes on the road, and felt a pang of anger. For all her courtesy and sweet nothing conversation, she'd still fucked up his first chance of physical statement. He'd have happily strode into the station with straight shoulders, unblinking, even as the flashbulbs popped, but he had to look the part. If the mob were shouting that he was evil or should be hanged or whatever other limited reactionary platitudes their sheep minds could remember, he gained no points looking like he did now. He wanted to look as sharp as his philosophy or they'd think he was some disenfranchised crank. He reached his bound hands over to the blanket and held it in his lap. Tell me when we're a minute away, he sighed in frustrated resignation. He saw her eyes smile in the mirror. In that case she said, indicating left and turning the wheel. We're one minute away. He exhaled and lifted the blanket, pushing it over his head and closing his eyes. I'll go in the back, she said, matter of fact. If they don't spot us, you might get lucky. Harry did get lucky. He couldn't hear much under the blanket, and but for a murmur of people chatting further down the street, he was walked through the back door in virtual silence. She gripped his arm and escorted him. How easy it is to surrender to somebody else's guidance when you're blind. How trusting people are when they can't see. He heard the scrape of a chair being pulled and allowed her to guide him down onto it. She lifted his hands by the handcuffs. He was relieved they'd be removed. His hand emphasis was particularly strong when explaining his manifestos, but when she pulled away the blanket and he blinked his eyes to adjust to the new light, he saw that she'd bound them to the table in front of him. He wanted to contest this arrangement, but bit his tongue. Three Cs. Calm. Clear. Collected. Nobody ever listened to a ranting lunatic. He looked at her as she sat down opposite him, opening a notebook and rubbing her hand along the crease. And he added an extra C. Charming. OK, just to explain, she began. In the first instance, this pre-interview is not recorded. I'm not getting this out yet. She placed her hand gently atop the box that sat on the edge of the table. We'll have a chat, and then once I'm happy, I'll be opening it up, OK? No solicitor? Harry asked, with four smiling eyes. This is a pre-interview, she smiled back. In the formal, yes, there'll be a solicitor present. Either your own or one we sought you with. But that's once we checked you in and you're charged. He smirked at her. Assuming you are, she added. She could so easily have been condescending, like all the police he'd ever encountered in his 24 years, but she was affording him respect. He liked that. His charm was working. He liked that a lot. So what's this pre-interview thing? He asked, matching her casual tone. Is that normal? Oh, not if you've snatched a handbag, she laughed, pulling the lid off her pen with her teeth. This is serious crimes, so you get an ally. Me. All strictly off the record. Helps you and helps us. You tell me the truth now. I presume what you wouldn't tell me under caution in the formal then I can tell you, also off the record, what you should do in the formal. I see, he said and leant back. Assured and thoughtful, she gave him another warm smile. I'm relatively confident I shall be advising you to make no comment. But who knows, maybe you'll surprise me. He smiled back but said nothing. Oh, you bet your fucking ass I'll surprise you. He cleared his throat and began. Don't you ever consider who keeps you in check?" She looked back at him, pen ready. In check? It'd be easy to lump you lot in with them, but you're just foot soldiers. None taken, she said quietly. It's a fact. It breaks down easily. Those people, he paused and leaned closer, deserve a permanent reminder that they aren't better. Those people, she frowned. He remembered the swagger on that bloke, the last swagger he'd ever do. Arm around her, cock of the walk. A suit that cost more than the bike Harry was on the back of. It was easy to target the right people because they wallowed in their affluence, not a hint of shame. He played a moment of thoughtfulness as her eyes stayed glued to him. People consider peacocks to be beautiful, he said, adding subtle force to his speech. They marvel at the beauty of their spread feathers and bow down to the splendour, not considering what an arrogant display it is. It's an ostentatious cunt trick. It's declaring superiority with wealth. The mock consideration was a cheat. He'd formulated the Peacock speech with the other two. It had electrified their planning, charged them from merely considering to actually doing. His oratory inspiration raising this to a valid cause. They were cheap thugs. They just wanted to hurt. His justification transcended thuggery. That's what these people do. They spread their feathers to dazzle us. And we're the idiots who let them get away with it, Harry said. so. The cycle continues. They see how it elevates them. We reward them by lowering ourselves in their presence and they do it more. No longer. It's time to set those feathers alight. He watched her continue to not understand, but he'd expected as much. Everything's so black and white to the lawmakers. Bad thing, bad man, in jail. I'm sorry you'll have to explain. She faltered. Why did you do what you did? Why do you do what you do? Harry shot back. She kept his gaze. Do you still hear the lambs, Clarice? He deadpanned. It was misjudged. But if he held the smirk, he may get away with it. She eventually smiled, surely acknowledging the leap of faith in both directions. Because I don't want bad people to go unpunished. ''Same here,'' he shot back, adrenalized by her walking into it. He knew he should take a breath, but he wanted this out now. ''You take it away from them,'' he added quickly. ''Without their feathers, these peacocks have nothing. That should be how it is. Make them confront the little they actually are.'' The room fell silent for days. ''That's nonsensically random.'' she eventually said, quietly. How have you promoted yourself to making that judgment? Because nobody else has, he shouted, jolting her. He remembered the rage, the exhilaration of holding their futures in his hands. He'd shaken them off their vile course, and she could be next to have her world rocked. I made them as ugly on the outside as they are on the inside. They shouldn't be able to disguise their... Eager mania, their superiority, their, their, their black fucking souls. Superiority, she said, all hint of smiles gone. You don't just see the slightest hint of hypocrisy in this. Declaring unfair superiority in others, whilst you judge every facet of their personality based on a glance. They got what was coming to them, he hissed. Acid in the face? That warrants acid in the face? Her resolute indignation was increasingly irritating him. At least, he said, banging his bound hands on the table. It warrants a lifetime of being reminded that you're not better. There are people who are are, are so lost, so, far away that they deserve it they're never coming back to us there's no salvation for them she continued to look at him silently he could see her thinking he could see her trying to comprehend she stood yes she eventually said quietly that i do agree with his chest heaved he was unsure if he betrayed his surprise at her sudden no contest Perhaps it was working. No, of course it was fucking working. It had been the right thing to do. There had been the briefest moment of repulsion when he threw the liquid, but it was fast. The man had thrown his hands to his face, and he could see it was already past the point of no return. His features seemed to contort immediately. When she started the screaming, the man had looked right back at him. His fingers had started to bleed. And his pupils were whitening as the bike sped Harry away. Poor fucker, he thought. And then he remembered. Poor fucker. To have allowed himself to get to the point where this was his only cure. Harry had let out a war cry as they sped into the night. In the interview room, she'd moved to the side of the table and was opening the box. I've got the right man, she said, pulling out heavy gloves. Harry frowned. You're the worst sort of dumb. The sort that believes themselves to be smart, she put on the gloves. The worst sort of coward. The sort that believes themselves to be brave. You've served no cause. And you know nothing, he said, hiding his deflation. Of course he'd wasted his breath talking to an order taker. Because there's nothing to know. There's nothing to you, nothing to learn. She pulled a bottle from the box. Certainly nothing to miss. He recognized the bottle immediately and instinctively pushed violently back in his chair. Hey, 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 he shouted as he tried to pull his hands from the binding. The table didn't budge. What are you, this isn't up to you. You can't do that, I'm protected. I'm protected even in the pre-interview. That's not a thing, she smiled, but you're right about giving people what they deserve. You'll be fucked, Harry said, his eyes wide, not leaving the bottle. People will believe me. They know about this shit. Police, police brutality, you'll be fucked. Now it was her turn to smirk. She leaned forward, luring his eyes to hers as she unscrewed the cap. Police brutality? Who on earth said I was police? 4,000 Words is an Infinite Hermit production, written and read by Ian Bolsworth. The music was by Thomas von der Words and Words is funded by the generosity of the patrons of Infinite Hermit Productions. If you'd like to contribute and get access to works in progress, complete stories, exclusive podcasts and parapod movie, pictures, updates and rarities, please visit patreon.com forward slash Ian or visit ianbowlsworth.co.uk for more details.